A written transcript of this episode is provided by Starburst. For more information, you can see the show notes. Welcome to Data Mesh Radio with your host, Scott Herleman, sponsored by Starburst. Starburst is a single platform to help you activate all your data, no matter where it lives. Check out our new Data Products for Dummies ebook to learn more about how your organization can utilize data products. To download your free copy, head on over to starburst.io. Data Mesh Radio is provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It is produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. I started this podcast as a place for practitioners to get useful information about Data Mesh, and we're at over 200 episodes. I've now left Data Stacks, you know, thanks for all their help in founding things, but I've left to start Data Mesh Understanding, which is also helping practitioners to get to the information needed to do Data Mesh well. We have free implementer introductions and roundtable programs, in addition to the more advanced yet affordable offerings. So please do get in touch if you're looking for more information on how to do, how to approach Data Mesh. Just check datameshunderstanding.com for more info. There's also a helpful organization of past Data Mesh radio episodes there if you want to dig into specific topics rather than digging through 200 different episodes. So with that, let's hit the funky intro music and listen to what you'll hear about in this interview episode. Episode 293, Aligning Your Data Transformation to the Business. Bottom line up front, what are you going to hear about and learn about in this episode? I interviewed Nalia Sabirzanyova, a digitalization manager at DHL and a PhD candidate around data architecture and data-driven transformation. To be clear, though, she was only representing her own views on the episode. So here are some key takeaways or thoughts from Nalia's point of view. Number one, When it came to microservices and digital transformation, we aligned our application and business architectures. Now, we have to align our application, business, and data architectures if we want to really move towards being data-driven. Number two, to do data transformation well, you must align it to your application architecture transformation. Otherwise, you have two things transforming simultaneously but not in conjunction. And so, you know, whenever that happens, they start to drift further and further apart. Number three, it's crucial to involve business counterparts in your data architectural transformation. They know the business architecture best, and the data architecture is there to best serve the business. That is a prerequisite to enable continuous business value generation from the actual transformation. Number four, regarding a transformation, Ask two simple questions to your stakeholders. What should this transformation enable? How should we enable it? It will give them a chance to share their pain points and their ideas on how to address those pain points. The business stakeholders know their business problems better than the data people. Number five, your approach to data mesh at the start and throughout your journey must be adapted to your organization's organizational model and ways of working. Everyone starts from completely different places. Stop trying to copy-paste from other organizations when their starting points look completely different. Number six, data mesh won't work if you overly decentralize. You must find your balances between centralization and decentralization, and you must find them yourself. Again, this comes up over and over in every episode. Number seven, potentially controversial, Historically, teams were charged for data work and and resources, but with something like Data Mesh, they can manage their data and data costs themselves far more efficiently. Framework processes, tools, and skills help teams to identify which data is valuable for their own or other domains and thus requires investment, and which data or data processing operations, things that they've been doing, are redundant and thus are a place to cut that they're a source of savings. Number eight, potentially controversial, you should consider two phases of your early data mesh implementation. You know, calling the first one foundation, Nellie was saying, enabling teams 
to own their data by building corresponding teams, processes, and tools. And then the second is operationalization and scaling, which is enabling or incentivizing them to share their data well with others. They have overlap between those two, but if you don't focus on enabling to own data for themselves, you may have trouble incentivizing them to own their own data, let alone share it. Number nine, to drive incentivization and prioritization well, to do something like data mesh or really most large-scale transformations, you need top-down support from the highest levels in the organization. Number 10, potentially controversial. In highly regulated industries, you will have domains that already have very strong governance capabilities and practices. Focus on enabling them to safely manage their data within a new framework rather than trying to change their ways of working. They've kind of, if they're already decentralized and kind of doing what they're doing, it's really going to be hard to try and change their ways of working when they already know what they're doing. Focus on making it safe for them. Number 11, relatedly, focus on the frameworks and guidelines as well as the tooling to enable those domains that aren't nearly as advanced in their governance. Number 12, if you are looking to federate decentralize to all domains at the same time, consider how you leverage central committees. If you don't have someone helping guide people towards some degree of consistency, you can't find repeatable scaling patterns and best practices and are likely to create data silos. I will say it's somewhat of an anti-pattern to try and decentralize and federate all the domains at once. But if you are going to go down this route, this is something to really think about. Number 13, the level of importance your company places on your data transformation, measure otherwise, should determine how you combine it with your digital transformation. It might be under your digital transformation as, as kind of part of it, entirely separate, but at a peer level, etc. But they should get aligned no matter what to have the best impact. Again, you can have these things that are completely heading in different directions and you know, you're not making a lot of progress, especially progress together. Number 14, everyone must understand that data mesh is a journey. You will learn and adjust along the way. And finally, number 15, getting budget for your data transformation data or data mesh journey is probably more political than many expect. The easiest way to get budget is high-level management attention. And, you know, Scott note, but of course, that could be hard to get that buy-in first to get that high-level management attention. Okay, enough of just me. Let's hear from our awesome guest in this interview episode. Okay, very, very excited for today's episode. I've got Naila Sibirzanova here, who is uh, the digitalization manager at DHL and also a PhD candidate researching in the kind of data architecture area. To be clear, though, she's only representing her own views. And we're going to have another thing um, talking about kind of transformation. And, and I really like um, what Naila was saying about when we were in the pre call about historically, we had to learn to um, kind of align the business and application architectures. And now we have to add data into that. And so does can we just kind of smoosh data in or do we have to completely realign? We're going to talk about those organizations that are coming to Data Mesh from a decentralized approach. And these challenges are very different. I've kind of talked about this a little bit with the journey to Meshtopia, that everybody is trying to kind of head into the same general area of what a good data mesh implementation would look like, but everybody's starting from completely different places all over the map. Um, and we're going to talk about like, you know, just about the maturity journey, like within data, because it's, it's hard to do these incremental improvements when incremental in data hasn't really worked that well historically. So now that we possibly can, hopefully can, like, how do we rethink that as well as just like 
data mesh and digital transformation are aligned and you have to integrate these into these things instead of trying to have a completely different data mesh transformation instead of uh, kind of the way that your entire organization is transforming. But before we get into that, if you don't mind giving people a bit of an introduction to yourself, and then we can jump into the conversation at hand. Yes, sure, Scott. Hi. Hi, everyone. My name is Naila, and I'm working already 10 years in the area of digital transformation, starting as business consultant and now as digitalization manager at DHL Group. In addition, as it was already introduced, I'm a doctoral candidate. Uh, dedicating my research also to the area of the data-driven transformation. And uh, I'm doing it in collaboration with Johnson & Johnson. And I'm glad to be here to talk about data mesh within the digital transformation and also to share my personal views, learnings, experiences with you. Yes, awesome. And and so I I would like to start with, I, I thought this was a really, really, great insight. And I've kind of repeated it a, a couple of times. I, I, I hope when I, I have repeated it that I've given you uh, credit, but I can't promise that I did that every time. But this idea of we, you know, how difficult was it historically, let's talk about this, of learning how to align our application and business architectures so that we can get at least a, an idea of how much harder it's going to be with data because, you know, you're adding kind of, you're, you're exponentially adding to the complication factor. But like, how long, like, how did that happen? Or, or how did you see when you look back as to um, how long that took or how it, long it took to get, you know, doing well? I think about this when I think about microservices. Microservices really started to come to the forefront at maybe 2010, 2011. And really, people weren't very good at microservices until maybe 2020, 2021. So it was kind of a 10-year type cycle. Um is are you seeing the same thing when you look historically at just in general aligning the the business architecture and the application architecture? So a very good question, Scott. So actually, I would like to answer with two points to that. Firstly, as representative of academia, as I research this topic historically from point of view as it is evolved. And we all uh, know that um, application architecture started its movement toward modularization, decentralization much earlier. Already from the 90s, we hear about that, about also the microservices with a different success of the implementations and so on. And only later, the data architecture transformation uh, following the same trends come up to our stage and also in the area of the enterprise architecture, especially for, for the large-scale companies. Now, so when I'm talking about my personal experience with different companies where we went this approach, so one of my personal learnings, it was really extremely important uh, not fully to decouple these uh, data transformation strategy, but always to be fully aligned with the uh, application architecture transformation. And I'm not saying perfectly aligned. I'm saying just aligned, optimally aligned, so that uh, the application and data, they are not, they are not uh, players of the different roles. Both of them should support our business, our strategic business goals. And based on that, if we have some initiatives, some transformations on the application area, and it is happening with the most of the companies, they are building also the domains that are, uh, they are also restructuring the way how they are delivering the application or the digital capabilities for the business. And also the same is happening on the data side. And that's why, so if for the most of the companies, data transformation is coming up afterwards, it should be aligned and integrated with each other. I often saying that it is something like the Lego blocks. So they shouldn't perfectly fit each other. I'm meaning this, uh, these uh, domains and the structural elements of these two uh, strategies, but 
they should work they should be interoperable they should should uh should work together to 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 serve business because both of them data should serve business and applications should serve business and are you finding i mean i think that makes perfect sense i that this is something that i get frustrated about is is data people doing data things for data people and data people doing data things for the sake of doing data things instead of to serve the business, to serve the business strategy, what are we trying to do? But so let's say that, you know, it took a while for the, the company to align these, you know, the the business and the app architecture, and they don't want to restructure that. They don't want to change everything up to also align to data. Like, are you seeing that people are able to kind of iterate into aligning or are you seeing that people kind of have to redo a lot of the work and then there's not a lot of appetite for people redoing the work. So I'm just trying to figure out, you know, say somebody out there is saying, okay, I fully agree with Nalia, right? Like that that I fully agree with you and they want to do this, but do I have to do a ton of work? You raised a very important topic. So uh, to get people motivated and engage and commit for such a transformation, it is an extremely important topic. So from my experience, I have seen two different strategies how data mesh is going to be implemented. So first, companies are more tent coming from the data teams, from the data centralized teams, from the data platform teams, and the other way uh people that are coming more from the business side where they are uh, implementing this transformation more aligned with business and uh, with the business divisions. So, and uh, this part of commitment of business for this big change, I would say, it is uh, from my point of view and from my experience, it is easier when these strategies are somehow engaged and the business people are incorporated there. So that's why the commitment of business and the leadership of business extremely important for that. And to make them engaged into this, uh, into this uh, somehow aligning of the, of the strategies, application and the data architecture transformation strategies, it is uh, very important and you definitely need to find the good arguments to explain why this transformation uh, is important not only for the whole company, that in the future we will be data-driven company and we will transform our business models and we will get, I don't know, competitive advantage and so on, but we should already explain how this will help for your individual function your, uh, for example, data domain responsible for the business capability ABC, how this transformation, what we are doing here with this framework will help you with your uh, daily business. And they should understand this value. Only within that, people will go with you. We will, will uh, uh, invest the effort, time uh, to 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 support this transformation. Yeah, I, I keep having this conversation where people keep trying to, to pretend like it's a gotcha that um, getting buy-in and getting um, and, and doing incentivization in data mesh is hard, like that as if, you know, people haven't thought of this. And it's more there isn't an answer that is universal, right? You just said you have to find the good arguments you know, can you just provide us all the good arguments? Well, no, that doesn't make any sense, right? It's just like, can you convince everybody with one, you know, one phrase? No, they're they're individuals. So like, how, how let's say somebody's again saying, okay, I, I want to do this. How have you found to kind of dig into that? Is it just, you really have to understand their business? Is it just, you have to have conversations with them and they'll just tell you and you just have to learn a little bit to listen? Like, uh, how do you go in? You know, is it going and going above them and not not trying to do it in a in a stick kind of way of, 
hey, I'm, I'm bringing your boss down to hit you on the nose with the stick to say, you got to do this. But like to have those conversations and say, where is this in the prioritization chain? Like, what have you found that works well? And maybe what have you found that really doesn't work well that people keep trying to do? Because I think that second one is just going in and telling them they should do it. So fully agree with you, uh, Scott. Um, so there is no universal answer. There is no universal approach. There are individual journeys how to get for that. Maybe I can share some my experiences where it, it, it went actually well. So first, my hint will be with one of the journeys of the uh, data transformation, we engaged uh, business a lot in the composition in, into the design of the framework. So the, uh, the whole strategy started with the question to all the stakeholders, uh, two simple questions, what should enable this transformation with which means uh, we can enable it? And uh, it worked so well that people, so it was like, like, like the questions addressed to more than 200 people. So, and a lot of people could answer it and contribute to their pain points what they feel could be different with the data and how they see. And explicitly here, they can address all also the pain points, the improvement suggestions related to their business. Because so there is no one who knows the business better than people who are doing it. And that's why we could firstly get real, not biased input, what our organization would uh, expect from this transformation from the framework. And from the other side, we couldn't get enough, uh, enough broad number of answers not to be biased and also to create the transparency about. So transparency for all the other divisions saying that here and here, there are so a lot of improvement potentials, or in this area, they expect this and that. So, and actually, it worked very well. And afterwards, I can even add that people who understood that the new framework incorporates their pain points and the uh, our aim to solve them, they were engaged to go with us and to 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 get this transformation journey that's why i name it journey uh successful and to be committed to that yeah it's it's amazing how much it just keeps keeps coming back to if people feel seen and heard they react in a way where they they they'll lean in far more and and i i actually kind of had something that that came to mind a little bit while we were talking while you were we were given that answer which was, I feel like data people are used to taking requirements from others. So when they try and go to others, they want to requirement drop on them and say, this is what you've got to do instead of that conversation around exactly what you're talking about, of going to them and saying, like, what would be better? What is going to get you to lean in? A lot of times people will just tell you, it's like, hey, what are the three things I have to, to hit? in figuring this out for you that are going to get you to lean in. And sometimes people are going to tell you one thing and do another, and you just kind of have to deal with that. And, you know, it's, it's, you, you kind of have to find the people that you want to work with. I think this is a, a big problem in, in data mesh is everybody thinks they have to work with everybody at the start. And it's like, or you have to work with the domain that has the most valuable data. And it's like, if they're not willing to put in the effort to share, if you can't find a good incentivization, you go elsewhere and then you create all this value and then they're like, hey, wait, what about me? I, I want the value. And you're like, well, you know, <laughs> you, you, you can't just go, well, you didn't say you were going to. So now we're not going. But it's 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 that whole gradual buildup of of buy in that you're kind of talking about and this alignment and all that stuff. I think I think it just makes sense the more I hear <laughs> from more people that are focused on this. So uh yeah, I mean, 
I, I think we we kind of talked through that pretty well. Is there anything else that you wanted to add on to kind of how people want to do, or did you want to kind of jump into a little bit more of the of dove, dovetailing of how we think about this coming from, you know, how this can apply to when you're thinking about data mesh and you're thinking about coming from a decentralized approach? So let's go to the next point of decentralized approach. Well, and I think this really, this this helps because, again, people are, when you look at Jamak's book, you look at the way Jamak has talked about data mesh, a lot of it is from an assumption of coming from a centralized approach and then going to, you know, federated slash decentralized and that type of thing. But when you've already had everybody decentralized, everybody's kind of doing whatever they want, but there's no central cohesion. So, like, how did how do you think about from what you've seen of people like trying to 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 go to data mesh from a decentralized approach? Where do you think people are are kind of getting it wrong? Is it that they're trying to to uh, play from Jamak's playbook a little bit too much, and that's more focused on centralized to decentralized, or like? Where are you thinking that people are maybe making mistakes or overlooking things because it is such a different approach? Maybe even uh, explain why it's so different as well, if you want to. Mm-hmm. So very interesting point. And I think that here I w- would also stress that it is very individual for the organizations because we are not starting from the scratch. Each of organization that is facing such a sort so technological change uh, has some background, background in the org structure and in their cultural uh, uh, level. So regarding the acceptance of the decentralization, how the org structures are built up, how they used to work previously, how this fluency between these different departments because one of the elements where we are talking about data mesh we would like to bring data closer uh, to people somehow with that we try to uh, to uh, to remove data silos information silos and try to build these cross-functional teams who are working together and also here we are very dependent how previously organization used to work with how previously cross-functional teams were built and if it is a usual practice to work in such a manner. So, and based on that, I would say that it is very individual uh, journey and approach how to move from the previously centralized data teams. And now as we are moving the data closer to business and we would like to decentralize to bring this data to the to closer to business and to make it more decentralized. And we will for most of the large scale companies and I think even for the year uh, for uh, each of the company fully decentralized approach will will not work with the highest probability. But something in the middle that also Chamark says about federalization uh, will work much better. And this balance between centralization and decentralization is often called like federalization should be found individually by each of the company. What are my individual grade of centralization, decentralization uh, level where I say that it is a optimal fit for my company and usually so what i see from my experience it is that the uh, the data platform usually centralized like the as a platform because business has not enough knowledge to make a complex i don't know data integration or something stuff within this data platform but as we know that technology is not staying currently on the place and uh, uh, the self-service functionalities and the ease of use, even these new data platforms is becoming much better so that uh, a lot of already uh, functions uh, could be taken over by business. And the second point, so regarding decentralization, I think that the the whole spirit, the whole value that we are talking about, the decentralization, the core is happening, that we are giving more responsibility, accountability about the data to business. 
I even heard about uh, like the point that uh, one hint from one of the companies that uh, how they motivated people to take this ownership because it is not easy to say that from today you are owning your data and now you should do A, B, C, D and, uh, and so on. Uh, people are motivated by the, uh, by the cost control saying that Using that, you can better control the cost that we are uh, your your department or your domain is uh, taking for for your data, and that motivates people to to govern data in more federated way. So I think there's there's a lot of really interesting points in there, but I want I want to hit on the last part for a second because if people are able to. If you're saying that you can lower your costs, then are people just going to stop doing data work that is applicable to any other part of the organization? Or are you still saying that since we're giving you this control, you still have to provide data for the rest of the organization? Because I think that this is where it gets into those. I mean, it's, it's a very particular point. I want to react to the rest of it as well. But because um, even like when you were talking about uh, finding your centralization, decentralization balance with your hands, you were you were kind of miming a, a slider. And that's the thing that I think of, of like, you're like, hey, okay, I'm going to move it up. Nope, nope, that didn't work. I'm going to move it back a little bit more towards centralization or I'm going to, you know, okay, we started really centralized. We're going to go way too decentralized, move it back towards centralized or the other way around. But like when you're thinking about that, that motivation factor, that incentivization, is it different when you're coming from a decentralized approach at the start than from a centralized approach? Because a lot of times, like you said, people already own their their um, their data work. They already own a lot of it, at least. And so now you're like, okay, we're going to give you much tighter controls over your own costs and things like that. Is that the 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 motivation when it's already a decentralized approach versus a centralized? Or I, I just love to hear kind of more on what you're seeing there. Uh, so yeah, I would like to 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 stress or to note that together for most of the organization, it was already already previously that uh, the IT costs, also the data costs were distributed uh, between business. And as previously, business was not really involved in the control of these costs. So mm -hmm. they didn't have enough knowledge and uh, based on that, maybe they didn't have enough instruments to control it. Uh, they just accepted it uh, or were not such much involved uh, uh, in, in, in this business. Uh, but now, as they are getting more instruments and the accountability to control it, so they have much more motivation to say, uh, what is this data? Why these data loads are coming in? They have more interest to understand what is behind it to, uh, in order to, to be able to control. And also that leads not only to the, to the motivation uh, to own the data and, uh, and to, to govern it properly. It also contributes to the quality of data. So uh, because during these practices, we know that we identify that there are some data that is not used or could be stored differently or processed differently. And it is also the additional benefit of that. Yeah. And, and I've seen as well some people talking about, um, you know, uh, Irina Arzner from RBI was on and she was talking about um, she's the head of a line of business herself. And so she was very, very excited about the seeing how much value her data could generate for other parts of the organization. And so from an incentivization structure, you can say, okay, your team gets more investment into your data work if you're showing value for the rest of the organization. And we can, you know, we're creating a way to track how that flows down. And so you get credit for a significant portion of the value generated by your data. And so if you're probably the domain, you know, your line of business is probably the number one benefactor of your own data work. So if we're investing more and more in your own data work, you're going to uh, capture more of that value than anyone else in the organization. But you proved that it was a value by generating this value for other downstream people. But it's still, it's a conversation that 
has many twists and turns because it's not the same for every, everybody wants it to be, but. It's quite extremely interesting point. And especially I thought about it a lot of time. So because um, to get people motivated to share their data, and you know that from the first point of view, you don't know how much value it could generate. You can only guess. And it is the way of the experiment. So you invest your effort, time, money, and then so you you see how it works. And based on that, so really culturally, to trigger this reusability and to motivate people to move to already this second maturity level of this transformation is a challenging task, I would say. And uh, so, and that's why I especially highlight that it is next level of maturity, the first. So uh, to, to go to the level where you could uh, manage forming these data domains, you could uh, somehow uh, to give for these data domains the ownership for their data, to enable them with all the technological background and uh, the the instruments to do it. And uh, so the next level would be to trigger this culture of the reusability data, of uh, sharing data. And that second level, it is even much more difficult from my point of view, and it is a big social change for the organization. And uh, so we need we need enough enough effort, change management, and uh, the expertise to to implement it. I mean, there's many different questions I could have from that. I, I guess we can go a little bit divergent from our planned topic to, for this follow up question, but like. Should that be on the data team? Should that be on somebody coming from the exact sponsorship level and coming in and rearranging people's KPIs? Like, how how do you think that you get that motivation to actually happen instead of just words, right? Because people aren't paid to serve the rest of the organization unless they're paid to serve the rest of the organization, right? Like, unless they're actually that's part of their remit, unless that's what they're told that they're supposed to do, you know, yeah, I want to, I want to help you out, but you're just asking me to do something versus my job is to do this. So like, how do you think about that, that working well, if, if, and, and again, I'm not trying to have you, I mean, I would love if you could solve it for everybody out there with just a wave of the wand, but like, how do you think about that kind of conversation internally so that it's not just data people trying to push and push and push and, and, you know, move these massive, massive rocks all by themselves instead of have a bunch of people that are working together. So here I would like also to highlight that even for the first step of this transformation, while we are starting to build the data domains, data products, and the whole, like the data mesh principles, it was not the like could work just in the form of project or a single initiative. So it should be a very dedicated leadership support on the enough high level. It should be some global strategy. Only in this way it should work. And so global strategy means also the enough sponsorship for that. The For this second level, when you need already to motivate to go beyond the core purpose of the data. So firstly, you're saying that my data are supporting my business function, and that's why actually I'm interested to have it in a good quality, to have the ownership of that, and so on. So there is direct motivation could be raised. But when you are talking about that, you need to share this data with others and explore which other uh, departments or domains should uh, somehow benefit of that. So it is already so mm, a different question. And based on that, so it it should also come from the enough high so leadership attention, motivation inducing their uh, downstream departments that it will bring such uh, in the future a lot of value for our company and also for us because not. We only will share the data for the benefits of others, 
but the others will also share uh, their data for our benefit. And that's why, so it should be, it should be enough, enough, enough high sponsorship and the leadership attention and the global framework for that. Yeah. And, and one, one pushback on that that I've heard is just, oh, well, yeah, they should share their data so we get the value, but why should we put in the work? But th that's just, you know, somebody being selfish and, you know, they can't always solve for that. But um, so I, I did want to kind of circle back to this coming from a decentralized perspective to data mesh and the challenges that you've seen that look a little bit different, right? Um, you talked a little bit about every domain kind of having their ways of working and trying to coordinate them in ways of working, maybe that's not even the most important thing, but you still need to coordinate them in ways of sharing information. So that way you don't have every single data product looks completely different. So like, how do you think about that? And how do you think about the concept of finding scalability patterns where you can go from domain to domain and get them participating when everybody works in a completely different way? Like finding those patterns, not just on the data side, but on the, the ways of working side, like how, if somebody's in that, that perspective, what advice would you have to, to give to them? And, and maybe what empathy would you have to give to them? Of, hey, it's going to be a little tough. <laughs> so I think that we're coming to one of the most challenging topics within the, uh, within this data transformation concepts, it is the um, data governance. And definitely there should be some framework and concept of the data governance. So best of all, these federated data governance that are moving from centralized to more decentralized way. And uh, it, is, it is a journey. So uh, all even within this, the same enterprise, all the departments are so different. And all the functions within this department are so different and they use uh, to, to govern the data differently. Some departments were fully relied on the centralized data team, but there are some departments where data, it is there already previously was the strategic object. So they were governing it in, in different way, especially in, in the industries where uh, that has a very strong government regulation, like the pharmaceutical industry or everything that is related to the uh, fashion data. So uh, are, there are some departments that are only taking care about the, the, the patient data and the, uh, the norms and the regulations, how to do it, are totally different with all the rest. And that's why, so to finding the, so some global, some standard framework for the data governance within the data mesh. So it is very important, but it should be also in the way how to find balance between centralization and decentralization. So you should give the maximum power also for the business people who understand much better how their data should be governed. From the other side, to enable scalability, you should have the global framework and the global standards and also the global tools that support you in that uh, to make it happen. So that's why, unfortunately, there is no universal universal framework, but just my, my hints high. <laughs> highlights that I learned from my experience. And and how how do you think about finding those those patterns? So like specifically do you have any advice on going in and saying, okay, this does work in this other domain. I know they do a different way of working, but like is there have you found anything that's specific to that? Because I know that that's that's one of the keys to to doing data mesh is that you don't you know, people want it to be exactly the same in every domain, and you have to understand that's not going to be the case at all. But if it's completely different every single time, it becomes more and more challenging because you're, you're you know, if it took six weeks to get the first domain in, and it takes six weeks for every other domain instead of, you know, going down to four, then three, then two, then one to one and a half weeks or whatever, it becomes 
exceedingly expensive to do that for the entire organization. So like, how do you think about identifying those or, or sharing those, even if it's not perfect for every new do- domain? They're a good question. So maybe a one, one advice from my side that worked well in one of my use cases, it is the, I think that most of the companies, they have the data governance committee and even not one, but several for the, for the, for the, for the large scale companies. So uh, usually these data governance committees or the organizations, they should from the as the centralized organ to ensure this conceptual consistency, these centralized frameworks. And also there is central, like the within data teams, some, I don't know, architecture authority who should enable this consistency from techn- technology point of view. That's why, so initiatives that are coming within each domain should be evaluated from both sides. There is central, central like functional data governance team uh, or committee or board that ensures from functional perspective, from data perspective. And there is also this technical data team who ensures the act- architectural consistency. And that from like the from the centralized approach helps uh, to build up these centralized centralized rules or mm, scalability patterns or best practices best practices how to make it how it how to make it scalable actually how to how to make it. Uh, in the future, faster and faster to implement data initiatives, to generate data products, to build the framework, how, how to make it not such costly, but easy for the department to uh, publish the data product for the benefits of others and not as the first POCs and the first experiments with the uh, when you are piloting with the data mesh with the first domain. Yeah, for sure. I think that's... It's it's tough because when people hear central governance committee, they think of somebody that's a gate instead of an enabler. And like, how do you flip that? How do you flip that perception? Maybe how do you stop using even the phrase governance and all that fun stuff? So, um, I, you know, I think we can kind of wrap the the last two topics that we were thinking about into one, which is thinking about the maturity journey around data, not just data mesh, but also how do you think about integrating data mesh into your digital transformation journey. So like, how do you think about talking to people about transformation and that it's not about getting it perfect at the start? It's not about getting everything right. It's about kind of making that steady progress. Like, how do you think about starting that conversation? Because historically, if something hasn't been right in data, it's been wrong, which is not the, the best perception. But also, if you didn't get something right and you had to change it, it was this huge breaking change versus we have now iterative processes to make things better. So like, let's start with even just how do you start to have this conversation and maybe at, at the different levels, right? Like when you're talking to the, the very, very senior executives, that's going to be a different conversation than a line of business head. And like, how do you think about getting them on board that, we're actually doing something different in data instead of telling you we're doing something different and it's just a new technology, which has kind of been how we've done something different for the last 30 years. So good point. And there are a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of thoughts that are coming directly to my mind. So first of all, different companies are going different approach. So we know that some companies has global data strategies, someone's uh, don't. Then uh, someone has instead digital transformation strategy. And also the hierarchy of the strategies also could be different. And based on that, where uh, this um, data mesh or uh, data transformation strategy is happening, like as, as a separate on the about data, it is also the question, is it integrated into the digital transformation strategy? It is 
even on the same level as the digital transformation strategy, like a separate data strategy for the company. So it also depends on on how company went its journey. And so there are companies that have a digital transformation strategy and also in addition, the separate data strategy that are on the same level. Um, How to integrate? So uh, some of my use cases that that I worked on, so in most of the uh, companies, uh, data, so this this data transformation strategy, or it is called data mesh strategy or data fabric strategy, it could be called differently. It is often integrated in the digital transformation strategy. And um, how this... Uh, how this went as a journey so also very i think very valid point so because we cannot say that it will be something that we clear see the target so so our data will be managed governed and so on we could define some principle frameworks on the global le- level and only with that like the global framework, we can giving there also enough flexibility to put it down to to different departments that could uh, execute different type of business. So it is it is very essential step. Uh, how to speak about that on the different levels? So I would say it is also very individual topic depending on how the organization is structured and when this journey. But very, very valid, um, very valid uh, sentence of you that it is journey. It is definitely journey. And even at the beginning, if you somehow build up the principles and the framework, it should be adjusted during the time. You should learn from it. You should understand what worked out, what not, which structural elements of your framework fits and where we have the new during the time technological advances. If we have the change of the of our business or the uh, our ecosystem, and that will also uh, impact it. And that's why it is journey. The framework evolves during this journey. Your business needs evolves. Your data capabilities and data needs evolves. And that's why, so, you need to be flexible in this journey. And yeah, I mean, I, I, this is one of the the most frustrating things about data mesh and and transformation as, as well. It's just that it depends, it depends. But like, because it is so important to understand that you, there is no universal answer. But have you found something that is kind of consistent when talking to like what one thing that that. The reason why I'm asking this question is, is again, people are, are struggling the most on these transformation points. People, you know, it's that whole thing in software where the hardest thing is the code, except for everything else, right? It's that same thing with data. The hardest thing is the the technology, except for everything else. And so, like, have you found something that resonates well in general when you're talking to these different audiences? Because historically, again, data people have come to them and said, this will solve all of our problems. It is the data warehouse, or this will solve all of our problems. It is the data lake, or it is the cloud data, you know, or or whatever. It's moving to the cloud, or it's the this, it's the that. And now we're trying to say, no, we're, we're coming at it, and we've got an approach instead of a technology. But they're like, but you've always told me it was an approach instead of a technology. And so, People are frustrated. The business people are frustrated because they've constantly been promised and not delivered when it's come to data. So, like, how do you uh, do? You have anything that's really resonating with a lot of people? You know, is it, hey, we're going to deliver value now and much more value down the, the road? It's not only delivering value three years from now when the world has changed so much that what we were planning on is no longer really useful or valid. Or is it, hey, we want to engage you. We want you to lean in. And what we're going to do is reward you for leaning in and we're going to reward everybody that leads in in certain ways or like, how are you finding that people 
Are you finding any typical hooks? I know it is different for every single person, so I'm not asking you to solve for everybody. That's not that's not possible. But like, are you finding some things that more consistently work when having these conversations? Mm-hmm. So I would like to draw a parallels. If previously it was a more centralized data or IT teams that said that data warehouse, data lake, and let's try this or that. And it was mostly managed uh, by these centralized um, technical teams. And now as the approach changes and we are saying that we need you business to help us to build up this framework, exactly that is needed. We need to hear to even to build the framework how we will, not the framework, but the approach, how we will get all the people heard, what are their their pain points, what they expect from this data mesh, uh, data strategy, what, uh, for which purposes they would use their data and how we will transform it. And that was pivotal in, in, in some of so my use cases, if people, so maybe I repeat myself, if people are really engaged in building up this framework, they are engaged in executing it. It's that feeling seen and heard, right? Like if you, people feel seen and heard, they, they lean in. Yes, exactly. So because we are trying to solve their topics. We would like to support. We are not this that time is coming with some technology and saying that that will solve everything that you uh, you, you needed. But we are saying that now we are starting to to speak with you and to understand what you would like. And afterwards, we will identify the proper technology, the proper framework, and we will we will build it together for the benefit of your business and for our whole company. So I'm, I'm going to ask a very difficult question, and I think the answer is, of course, it depends. But so we had on Alice Parker, who uh, just changed her name. I, I can't remember exactly what it is. It's a very Norwegian name now. Uh, I think it's like Sventrum. But uh, so she did uh, her master's in uh, human com- uh, computer interaction and, and design. And she spent her master's degree, you know, with DND going in and interviewing all the, the users of the data platform or, or all the personas of the, the data platform and split it into like 10 or 12 different personas, which people think of, you know, producer and consumer. And it's like, no, there's a lot more. And there's even the, the risk officers and the, you know, data protection or, and privacy officers and all that stuff. But how do you get budget relative to the data work to go and do the necessary work? Right? How do you get the budget to have people spent on going and asking these questions? Because traditionally, people have had a very, very specific role, and there isn't somebody that's like the data transformation person. Like, does that need to be a specific person? Does that need to be an office underneath the digital transformation office? Like, how do you think about? You know, because people are like, well, they they have to be they have to be super value generating, and people don't think of of going and collecting this information as value generating, right? You know, user research. The fewer and fewer of those people are doing user research. Most companies are cutting back on user research when they should be investing more, in my view. But uh, you know, that's just part of product management. But um, like, how do you think about that conversation of we have to do all of this prep work? to do this right, how do you get the budget to do that when it's, you know, it's a weird kind of ask from a budgetary standpoint to, I need a head that is just going and doing this work. Mm -hmm. So I think that it is very political question. And it also, I would say, depends on how the, uh, the cost structure and the culture of the company in this regards built up. Uh, But so generally, at least for the fundamental parts of the data mesh, if it is a base of one of the global data strategies, 
or if it is part of the digital transformation uh, strategies. So it is already has enough uh, high-level management attention and dedicated budget for that. To get this framework evolved, that means also when, uh, when this foundation is built, you need to run it to run it in the way so our target view that we will constantly improve our data products and generate new data products and publish it uh, and it is not free of charge so we need we need to pay for that so for that so budget motivation it is uh, it is it is a very very good point definitely as i as i was already seeing that um, there is no definite response that if we are, uh, for example, as my domain, a producer of this data product, uh, of a new data product, he could not be 100% sure that it will be very demanded uh, data product and it will generate a lot of value. It is the, uh, the field of experiment for that. And uh, some of them will be successful even so more than we expect. Some of them maybe will not be used at all. But without that, it is prerequisite to build up this data-driven culture. And it is the prerequisite in order to try to do with your data more than just support some of your existing functions and operations. If you would like really to have this instrument of leveraging the data to, I don't know, to experiment with new data models, to open new potentials, to try new technologies and so on. So you need to have that. And so definitely the value realization of that, it is some long lasting thing, but the potential value behind it, it is much, much more. And it should be understood on the top management level and understood the budget request and the uh, why investments day is required. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunately that it keeps coming back to, it sort of depends and you've got to talk to people and people are like, no, I want to do the tech side. I want to do that. But it's, yeah. Um, well, I mean, uh, we've talked about a whole heck of a lot of things today. Is there anything we didn't cover that you wanted to or any way you kind of want to wrap up the episode? So I think that it was extremely interesting conversation. Thanks a lot. I think that we covered a lot of interesting points. Okay. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people. I mean, I fully agree. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoyed it as well. Um, but uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that would love to follow up with you. Is there anything specific you'd like people following up? Where's kind of the best place for people to follow up? So, of course, I have usual uh, social media channels like LinkedIn, you can follow up or write me direct questions. I'm currently preparing one of my papers about uh, one digital transformation journey. Maybe it will be interesting for you. I will can also will be happy to share and to, to know the opinion of audience, especially your audience that are uh, working in this area or interested to learn about this area. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for your time here today, uh, Nala. And as well, thank you everyone out there for listening. Thank you. I'd again like to thank my guest today, Nali Sabir Zainova. Digitalization Manager at DHL and a PH candidate around data architecture and data-driven transformation. You can find a link to her LinkedIn in the show notes as per usual. Thank you. Hopefully that interview episode was really useful for you. Please do consider getting in touch with guests from the show, from these episodes. Most have said they'd really love people to reach out to them. And please, as well, if you've got a minute, rate and review the podcast somewhere. It really is honestly super helpful for other people looking into kind of data podcasts to kind of get this in front of them. Data Mesh Radio is again provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It's produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. In April of 2023, I left Data Stacks, who were wonderful in getting the Data Mesh community stuff started. So give them a shout for streaming and real-time AI needs. But I left to start my own industry analyst kind of information as a service firm. 
our offerings are affordable and you can do them on a one-off or a month-to-month basis. You know, read kind of throw it on the credit card. Don't worry about like going through purchasing and things like that. The services include lots of practitioner roundtables, you know, one-on-one data mesh kind of planning or feedback sessions and tailored introductions to other data mesh practitioners that are focused around your topics of interest. You know, what, what are you actually running into challenges with? We also have some free programs around introductions and roundtables that people can kind of check out as well. Check the show notes or just go to datameshunderstanding.com for more info or helpful resources. As always, if you have suggestions for guests or topics, please do get in touch as well and have a wonderful rest of your day. Now let's hear that funky outro music. Mm-hmm.